That was the most partridge I could possibly have made that intro, Ed. How are you doing? That was a pretty good partridge. I, I may post it to Twitter. <laughs> well, it was I mean, it was an accidental partridge, so it doesn't count on that. Although you could claim it was and once again slander me to the general public. In fact, talking of slandering each other to the general public, um, we uh, we promised the listeners an international break special. Ed, uh, we were going to do all Twitter questions. Fake I think was, was the plan. Fake. I, I I don't remember that. Fake. So um, so what happened? What what happened with that? It was something to do with a hurricane in Puerto Rico. I think. Oh God. No. Um, so, uh, yeah, I may have forgotten all my recording equipment. I'm currently in Los Angeles, California, and uh, because of many Los Angeles, <laughs> you might get confused with Los Angeles um, to get confused about. Anyway, uh, I forgot to bring my recording equipment, and I couldn't work out where to buy um, a new microphone in time. And I should say I'm on a lav mic at the moment, so I may not be up to my normal high-quality audio standards. Um, that and I got the night before and had a massive hangover and couldn't wake up in the morning yeah like just a few messages from me at the time we'd kind of arranged to meet over whatsapp like you around ed and then look, 10 minutes later but i don't think ed's around it was all fine but we uh, we missed out on on doing that international break special so we owe you yet another show um but we're going to give you a normal old standard classic not standard classic rank cast this week um by you know reviewing the one game that we've played and previewing the two games that are to come. Um, yeah. And hoping... Did, did you enjoy International Week before we reviewed the, the Watford game? I mean, Watch I, any of it? No, I mean, I really... Did you go around the UEFA Nations League? No, I mean, I really enjoyed the international break by dint of not watching a split second of football for a week, two weeks straight, basically. Um, I don't think I've even seen any of the goals or anything. No, I didn't watch England-Switzerland. There's a game before that, wasn't it? England played uh, Spain. Marcus Rashford Spain. scored in that game thanks to a, a very fine assist from Luke Shaw, so I'm led to believe. Yes. But then, of course... It's, it's a very nice goal. Yeah. Luke Shaw then had the, the what looked like... I mean, I'd seen pictures of that. It looks like a, looked like an absolutely horrendous injury, but it doesn't seem like it was an absolutely horrendous injury, which is such a relief because that would have been a cruel twist of fate. Oh, wouldn't it just, yeah, I mean, seems like he got a concussion and, and sensibly he has not been played. I mean, I think they're supposed to take 10 days or 14 days. What what, do they, what does the guidance say? I can't quite remember. But um, he uh, he didn't play against Watford. Uh, it seems like it's nothing long term. It would be very cruel after his good start to the season. Mm -hmm. uh, Marcus Rashford scored twice, which of course stirred up a debate about how much game time he is or is not getting for Manchester United at the moment. Got a lot of minutes last season, but lots of them, as people pointed out, uh, you know, coming on as substitute, um, and very few of them in his preferred position. So, um, yeah, he's uh, anyway, he's doing well for the England team, and he's still young, so there's time. Although, um, whether we have faith in there. Uh, Mourinho getting the best out of Rashford is another question. He wasn't needed against Watford, though, was he? United uh, um, uh, got a, in the end, comfortable-ish sort of victory over the Hornets, who'd beaten Spurs the week before. What do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, Watford had beaten Spurs and Brighton this season, something that we were unable to do. And I think if we'd taken this game lightly, it would have been ridiculous. And, and actually, given everything that's happened, 
this is a really, really good result. And it was, um, I guess, for the majority part, a pretty good performance for United. It was a we started well, then we had a little shaky period, but then between the goal and half, the first goal and half time, I thought that was among the best football we've played. Well, certainly this season, but but maybe maybe even going back to a good bit of last season, we looked we looked really threatening, looked full of confidence. Um, you know, this this team is full of quality players, um, and uh, he went he kept almost exactly the same side that beat Burnley. Um, uh, with Fellaini once again uh, kind of anchoring the central midfield and with Fellaini putting in another very good shift, I thought. I mean, there were a couple of loose moments um, on the ball, but you'd expect that. But he was absolutely instrumental for United's two goals and then really important as well defensively later in the game. So, you know, I mean, the, the numbers all look good for United. The, the XG is firmly in the Reds' favour and um, there was... a there were a couple of frustrations. I mean, I thought Pogba was really good in the first half and then massively drifted in the second half, but th- I could go on and on and on. What what did you make of it all, Led? Yeah, for, for parts of the game, United were pretty good. I mean, after Watford got one back, the last 15 minutes were a little bit hairy for United and, and it's taken a you know another worldie from Dave in goal <laughs> with, like, what, two minutes, a minute left... Uh, right at the end, <laughs> get the points for United. Well, I was one of the things I was. Do you know the? Do you remember the movie Crash? Not the Cronenberg movie, but the the one that won the Oscar. Um, not yeah. not, a, not a brilliant movie, but the, the thing about that film is is the essential premise of it is it shows a, a series of people at both their very best and their very worst. And I felt a bit like our performance was a bit like that, like not just as a team, but individually most of the players on the pitch had a moment or two which was sort of them at their worst. So by the end of the game, Pogba really started to be very wasteful on the ball and trying to be too tricky and all the things that we know that that happened to him when he's not playing well. But in the first half, he was really effective and dangerous and his passing was superb. Um, I thought that Lukaku... You know, it was in exactly the right place at the right time for the goal. And then there was a few moments where he was wasteful in possession. Even Alexis Sanchez had that one moment where he dribbled uh, on the right-hand side of the box and, and fired in a shot and was like really carved out an opening and, and did well. Um, so, but you, but as a collective, you know, there were periods where United looked completely dominant and could have easily won sort of three or four nil. I don't mean in terms of chances created. I just mean in terms of the general pattern of play. Um, but then, yeah, absolutely reliant on a on a moment of magic from Big Dave, which he uh, unsurprisingly has in his locker. But, I mean, that moment at the end, it could have been... Uh, Matic, who'd had an OK game, I thought, that that was the worst of him, wasn't it? Like, what, what on earth was he thinking to make that challenge when he's already on a yellow card and giving away a free kick in a dangerous position? Yeah, that's right. And, and was him just uh, moments before that that clipped one of the Watford players just out the outside the box and uh, got away with it. And anyway, yeah, I'm really done from him. It's not as if he was even really taking one from the team I and mean, the players out wide. It's not a dangerous situation. Um, I mean, before that, there was good stuff, though. Uh, you know, uh, you're right. Lukaku got in the right place at the right time. Um, I think that will be listed in Opta as uh, uh, other body part. <laughs> Goal off his tum-tum. <laughs> Scored off his little tum-tum, didn't he? Got off his tum tum, yeah. Six pack came into it there, um, and a, a fine finish from Chris Smalling on on the chest and lashed it in. 
What uh, a goal. I'm super Chris Morley. I'm in shades of John O'Shea, that is. <laughs> shades of uh, Robin Van Persie as well. Like, just absolutely superb. And I, I mentioned earlier that Fellaini was integral to both the goals. In the first one, he was at the on the right-hand side of the box and took the ball on his chest and kind of put it back into the mixer, basically. Um, but then for the, the second one, it was more direct. He just headed the ball back from the corner on the left-hand side of the box into Smalling's chest. And, and Smalling clearly, like the ball clearly carried a bit of the spirit of Fellaini because uh, Smalling was able to execute elite-level chest control. Yeah. Um, and then uh, lash it in with his left foot. Basically hit it straight at Ben Foster in goal, didn't he? It's all the power. And Small has got a new head. I like it. I like it. Yeah. I don't know whether it's quite grown in yet. It seems to... We're not going to talk about it. He do whatever he wants with his hair. He's scoring goals like that every week. Um, but, you know, you uh, you mentioned the HE earlier. 0.13 for Smalling's goal from that position. Uh, 0.76 for Lukaku from there couldn't really miss, could he? No. Um, I mean, does it? Do you think it's? Do you think it's 0.76 because you lose a little bit of a percentage point because it comes off the tum tum? I've no idea. Yeah, probably. I mean, it's going to be listed as uh, other body parts, isn't it? Not, not left foot, right foot, head, whatever the other yeah. ones are. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's probably right. Uh, yeah, because if if you know, two times out of ten. Or nearly three times out of ten, someone actually misses that from two yards out. You'd, you'd be pretty shocked, but I guess <laughs> they do. Um, um, Watford, who didn't have a uh, chance over 0.12 xg, um, so you know even the big one at the end that uh, De Gea saved, they just didn't create anything, which is what I was saying earlier. I think they had some like eight shots from outside the box. Yeah. And so although it was a pretty spirited try from them at the end, they didn't really create much, and United kept them to to uh, non-dangerous positions for most of the time. So United's other big chance in terms of XG was uh, Pogba, which, um, I don't know, I I think it was understandable that that didn't result in a goal. Uh, I do find it fascinating to look at what the the data nerds think of of the quality of a chance, and they reckon it's Um, 0.48. And that's obviously not about that specific chance. It's about similar chances in similar positions. Uh, You know, it's difficult angle and all that kind of stuff. But we didn't talk about, when we talked about the international break, we didn't talk about all the Pogba quotes and all the Ferrari Uh and all the people going absolutely blue in the face with Graham Souness Brexit rage at Paul Pogba. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, Two of the things that make Twitter extremely hard to uh, be around uh, at the moment is the massive amount of whataboutism. Oh, well, Tottenham lost to Liverpool today, so, you know, why aren't the media talking about Pochettino? That kind of thing, uh, which I just find really bizarre. What's he, what's he, got, what's he got to do with United? I mean, uh, also... Str- struggling what, with that one. What about how Pochettino beat us, if you're going to what about it? Oh. Well, quite, yeah. What about season, remember, only counts when it's uh, in your favour. Yes. Um, if, whatever viewpoint you may have. Back to Paul Pogba, yeah. I mean, look, he's not having himself there, is he? Because no. he's pulling a Ronaldo here and sort of go, whoa, God, he knows where I'll be in X years or whatever, 
whatever it was. He gave an interview on French TV, which was then translated into German, then translated back into English with uh, various quotes flying about the place. And I couldn't actually hear the... I don't know, do you, have you heard the original French audio? No, I, I no. did the full-time Devils preview this week and I said on that I meant to show my mum the original clip and get her to translate it for me and see what she thought because I would trust her over the uh, the mainstream media, do you know what I'm saying? Um, <laughs> and, and definitely over the internet. Yes, most definitely. <laughs> so, so, you know, he's, uh, he's obviously asked about transfer every single time. Um, I think, you know, behind the scenes, most people expect that uh, Pogba is going to push for a, a transfer next summer. Um, no, I mean, good. you know, the... the the thing that's really bothered me about the coverage is just this idea that, um, and when I say the coverage, I mean the United fan response in general or a section of the community is just that I, I actually completely get the kind of if he doesn't want to be here, he can sod off. That that makes complete sense because, you know, football is such a, a passionate sport and it's so tribal and sometimes that's problematic, but sometimes that's also just what it is and it isn't, it doesn't. It's not a problem. That's how it. That is how it is. So if you have a player at your club who doesn't want to be there, it's, it makes it very difficult to kind of feel positive towards them. But the thing that gets me is when people say stuff along the lines of "he's not been any good anyway," basically, and it's just it's it just seems utterly baffling to me because it's so clear that he has something that no one else in our squad has, and and. Not only is he a talent in theory, he's also been a talent in practice over and over and over again. He only got 10 assists last season in the league and was man of the match statistically four times last season in the league, four times the season before, five out of 15 Europa League games um, in that that season. Um, And he would have got ridiculous numbers, more assists in his first season at United if people weren't skying every chance he put on a plate for them. (laughs) <laughs> ah, um, but you know the I completely agree that he's not helping himself and I don't understand why anyone doesn't just look at this situation and go oh yeah I can definitely see both sides of this I can definitely see why Pogba would be you know he's dropped for Scott McTominay and in the Champions League both legs against Sevilla and it's that was a ridiculous decision at the time and it was a power play at the time and and I don't understand why anyone managing Paul Pogba wouldn't be um, basing their management on of him on uh, positive feedback rather than criticism. So, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but we've talked about this before. Jose does not have much nuance in his management. It's my way or the highway um, all the time, and uh, it seems that he had picked the highway long ago. Um, and it had a pretty significant effect on the player who doesn't seem to respond to that kind of management very well. So, no. um, so yeah, I, I think some of the reaction is um, uh, pretty understandable. And, of course, actually Pogba has spoken before about you have to be happy uh, to play at your best. So we're not getting the best out of him. I think uh, we can look to the manager. It's, after all, his job to get the best out of players. Um, um, we didn't, I'm not sure we completely spoke about the... The, the rest of the Watford game. One player, Jose, it appears to be getting the best out of, at least for the last two games, is Maran Fellaini, who had a good game. Yeah. So let's, let's note that because, uh, you know, uh, I'd say seven out of ten games he doesn't, and we're quick to point out when he doesn't have a good game. But effective alongside uh, Matic in central midfield, I think, at both ends of the, the field. Um, 
had to be after Matic got himself sent off. Um, a player who was mostly garbage again. Um, I was probably better against Burnley, wasn't he? But uh, it was uh, Alexis Sanchez. Doesn't yeah. look anywhere near the player that he was at Arsenal. Uh, well, and he looks like well, we've had. You know, was he? How many? I'm not sure how many games he's had for United now, but it probably adds up to about three quarters of a season, or two thirds of a season, or something. And at what point do we uh, declare him uh, a failed transfer? I mean, I guess not yet, really. But I, I've, I've because because of a lot of different circumstances. But I mean, you know, I. I my whole thing for this season of Rankcast was not wanting to sound like a broken record. And I don't know how to talk about Alexis Sanchez's signing without sounding like a broken record because it was a failed transfer while it was happening. You know, you say he doesn't look anything like the Sanchez at Arsenal, but he looks exactly like the Sanchez at Arsenal for the last part of his Arsenal career. Um, and everyone put that down to the fact that he wanted to move away. But I think I think we're in a we're in something of a Rooney situation here where you're going to see absolute brilliance from Alexis Sanchez from time to time but there's a big compromise to having him in the side and it's because even though he's 29 he's played such a ridiculous amount of football with such a ridiculously small amount of rest for such an extended period of time you know for a good deal of that being in the position of being the best player at whatever club he was at Barcelona being the exception and so a ton of pressure on his shoulders and best player for his country as well um so I'm not at all surprised that a 29 year old Sanchez looks basically past it now Mm. maybe this is a fitness issue and and things will turn around I think it would be silly to completely write him off because we do see the moments of brilliance from time to time but and he was like you say it was all right against Burnley um good even but I am just not a fan at all and I really wish we hadn't signed him and I really wish that Anthony Martial and Marcus Rashford were doing double duty out on that flank. Mm. Martial got about 15 minutes or so at the end of the game. Um, Didn't make a huge contribution, but that was when United were on the back foot. Rashford not in the squad at all. I I missed that, um, being away from... Um, uh, away from home and perhaps uh, having a bit less time than normal. I haven't really caught up on all, all the stuff. Was he injured or just dropped? No, no, he, he headbutted Phil Bardsley. Ah, that's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah, no, no, that's right, why no, no Rashford. No, no, no big, no big drama there apart from the drama yes. of him nuzzling Phil Bardsley with his head. He didn't headbutt him; he head nuzzled him. Head nuzzled. Yeah. yeah, no, no, yeah, totally forgot that. Um, yeah, so he's going to miss a few games actually. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and of course, for him. <clears throat> and of course, <clears throat> uh, he's not the only one with an automatic suspension oh. or automatic because Matic is suspended automatically. You see, bad, 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 made worse by your need to explain it. Yeah. The good rank card listeners who are smarter than to laugh at your jokes. Automatic suspension. One game though. Yeah, Matic. Um, so where does leave United? Uh, Chelsea won, Liverpool won at Spurs, City won comfortably. Um, just the six points behind the leaders at the moment. Uh, are we right off our Premier League title chances yet? You asked us this last week as well, and I said we've already we did that at the beginning of the season. There were no there were no Premier League title chances this season. That was not was not a thing. Um, yeah, we, we're we're ninth. Uh, no, we're eighth on nine points at the moment. 
Liverpool looking um, scarily effective. Although, uh, just one caveat to this, you know, amid all the doom and gloom of, you know, is it City or is it Liverpool? Um, Liverpool had just one player in their starting eleven today who got to the latter stages of the World Cup, and that was Trent Alexander-Arnold, who didn't really play much in the World Cup. So, um, I, you know, I do think this will... Um, this this uh, has a contributing effect for uh, a lot of the other clubs. Had a lot of players, including United. But, I mean, like Mourinho, by getting the excuses in first. Yeah, I was just thinking. The thing about that is that's that isn't that doesn't. What does that mean? I mean, that means that yeah, they're likely to be have more stamina and be fresher for longer this season. That that's not a good thing. Well, maybe. Although you know, Klopp sides are famous for fading away, aren't they? At the end of the season, so we'll see. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to you know, hope here, otherwise it's going to be doom and doom, doom and gloom because Liverpool are going to win the league and Liverpool are going to win the bloody Champions League. <laughs> and then we'll give up the podcast and find a new sport to cover. Yeah, cricket cast. No, England away from home in the cricket uh, this winter, and that's um, yeah. I mean, they're always away from home in cricket in the winter. That's that's yeah. not this winter specific, is it? I think we need to we need to brush up on our cricket knowledge if we're going to do cricket cast, don't we? Um, right. So it was a good win. Listen, we. The, I'm. I, I feel. I've. Yeah. I mean, the, the the Burnley win. I think we're going to have to kind of chalk up to just being a win, given how utterly dreadful Burnley have been at the start of the season. Um but but that Watford that Watford game, no two ways about it. That was a that was a significant test given the run of form that they started the season with and and you know it United passed it with flying colours. Alright, it was wobbly at the end and we've still we've got problems. You know, there's no two ways about it. You know I've got problems. But it it was a good win and you know two games ago we were talking about a crisis and you absolutely can't be talking about a crisis at the moment, can you? No, you can't, uh, and that's a good thing. Um, tough, tough test again next week as well. Um, so uh, you you shouldn't really be talking about Burnley, Watford, and Wolves being massive tests. We want to be talking about you know City, Liverpool, and Madrid. But uh, it's what it is. Uh, but before that, uh, young boys, uh, should we talk a little bit about the return of the Champions League. Looking forward to it. Um. Uh, moya moya, you know, I, I'm somewhat looking forward to it. It's a tough group. Like, there is no question this game is a must-win game, given that we have uh, Juve and Valencia, right? If I'm not, if I've not remembered that right. right. Um, so, so that is that is a really tricky group. I don't even know if we've talked about that at all, actually. Um, no, no, we haven't. We haven't talked about the draw at, at all. I guess it happened just. Uh... Just as we broke up for the international break, right. didn't it? Yeah, yeah, no, absolute must win. Uh, this is away from home. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, unless I've looked up the fixtures wrong, I think no, we, away we, from away from home at yeah. the uh, the Wankdorf. Now, come we'll on, Ed. Making Al- an abs- Al- allow yourself abs- to laugh. Absolutely no sniggering about that, or the fact that uh, we will be playing young boys. Yeah. There's no need um, to feel down, I said, young boys. I know that's not how the song goes. Um, uh, the Wankdorf Stadium, of course, being the subject of the greatest headline uh, in the uh, in the history of sports reporting on AP. 
What was it? Uh, I, I they, wish they I were doing some, yeah, You really shouldn't have. They were doing some building and uh, um, uh, at the stadium. So uh, I think it was something along the lines of erection begins at the Wembley Stadium. How happy were you on a scale of one to ten when you first read that? One. Uh, bad. I mean, I'm, I'm just not up for that kind of childish. Uh, you know, typical mainstream media. It's, the, the thing it's, is, it's not fake news. It's it's you know it's crap news. Like the the thing, I don't know how I don't know how much the listeners of the Rankcast know how happy, extraordinarily juvenile humour makes you. But it's it's one of the sweetest sights in the world. Is Ed seeing a slightly smutty headline and just getting a massive charge out of it. Interesting fact about the Wankdorf Stadium, it's got the largest stadium integrated solar power, solar powered plant in the world. Oh, good fact. Switzerland being famous for its sun. Well listen. Um, there's solar power everywhere nowadays, and that's a good thing. Um so anyway, what do you know about young boys? I can tell you one good young boys fact. Um, which is that they are absolutely flying in the Swiss Super League this season. Uh, they've, they've won six out of six, scored 19, let in four. They got through to the group stages of the Champions League by beating Dynamo Zagreb uh, across two uh, two tight legs, um, just, I think, uh, one goal in it in the end. So a uh, pretty tough passage for them, but they, they are scoring for fun in the Super League. And, you know... Uh, confidence is a remarkable equaliser, isn't it? Obviously, talent-wise, they're a, they're a long way below United, but I think this is banana skin. Oh, it's got banana skin written all over it. I'm, I have to say I'm really not familiar with any of the young boys' squad, so can't speak from a position of, uh, of uh, much information on it. But, uh, you know, one Swiss league last season, miles ahead this season... Um, obviously, the best best team in the in the Swiss league at the moment. They've got a young manager in Gerardo Sione, um, who's uh, just taken over this season after time at Lucerne and Grasshoppers, um, and with uh, Deportivo in Spain running their B side. So you know, yeah, um, you know, away from home first game. With I guess we'll have Valencia and, and Juve after that. A uh, couple of games which will be touch and go for United away. In fact, you know, we'll definitely not be favourites against Juve, uh, will we? Um, and uh, so, you know, if United do slip up in this game, that's that's deep, deep trouble already, I'd say. So a lot of pressure on. That said, you know, two games against Burnley and Watford away from home recent times, efficient yeah. performances. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that's, that is worth saying. And I, I wonder if it will be... Uh, I mean, is Mat- Matic will be available for this, right? Because it'll be available for the Champions yeah. League, yeah. And so will Rashford, although I guess that probably isn't such a crucial factor. So I imagine we'll be somewhat close to unchanged for this game. Um, it's four days, so it's on Wednesday, so not not a drum, like ridiculous turnaround, and then three days to Wolves at home. So I guess we'll see see some changes for Wolves at home. I wonder whether maybe actually, given that Rashford's suspended in the league for another couple of games, he might even start. Now nah, that's wildly optimistic, isn't it? Unless he starts on the right in place of Jesse Lingard, maybe. Yeah, it could, could do. I mean, Lingard came off today, uh, not yeah, one of his true. best performances. Oh, we'll see, um, he, maybe linked, it's just... he linked up football, re- it linked up the play really nicely after yeah, that, Lingard. Yeah. No, I mean, he did okay. Maybe he's saving him for the next... Uh, 
the next game uh, in midweek. Uh, young boys, UEFA Europa League campaign last season, uh, drew with Dynamo Kiev and lost, uh, drew with Partizan and lost, uh, drew with uh, unpronounceable Albanian side and then won. So not a great, um, not a great campaign. Uh, beat Dinamo Zagreb. Uh, over two legs in the playoff to get into the Champions League this season. So you know, not not loads of not loads of uh, historical quality from um, uh, from young boys in European Wait, competition over the last few years. Are you saying they don't have a very good European pedigree? Or what yeah. is it? That, what has he said? Um, legacy was that the word he used? I can't remember. Legacy. The word. Yeah. Legacy. Um, uh, the thing is, right, a lot of fun is made of the fact that they're called Young Boys, but that is not the funniest name for a football team in the Swiss Super League because Grasshoppers is a much funnier name for a football team. <laughs> Does, you know doesn't make any sense at all. That would make sense for it would make sense for a cricket team ironically because Grasshopper is kind of a synonym for cricket, isn't it? Or maybe that maybe a, a entomologist entomologist yeah, entomologist will tell me differently. The, uh, the science of words. Yeah. Um, no, I, I meant the science of bugs. What's the science of bugs? Etym? No, etymology is words. Etymology is yeah. yeah and words, entomology yeah, is bugs. I think anyway. Um, after that, listeners, we... write in. Tell us which is which. Um, should we do some listener questions before we get on to previewing the Wolves game? I'm assuming uh, we... that you've got nothing else to add about the nature of Swiss football or this fixture. Uh, yeah, uh, I've got almost nothing to add about Swiss football. England beat Switzerland. Oh, there you go. Yeah. It's a sign. <laughs> All right, so for various reasons to do with very boring technological logistics, uh, I'm not logged into Twitter, but I'm looking at the hashtag rank card, so I'm going to... Oh, old school. I'm going to take charge of the Twitter questions. I feel a, a surge of power flowing through me. Um, at nocturnal underscore ego says, can we make a Lukaku joint... Uh, chant about him scoring with his belly button. We can if we change it from belly button to tum tum because I like that better. Um, at to Dicky underscore JD says, Has Fellaini's chest got a better football brain than Phil Jones? Oh, harsh, harsh. What has Phil Jones done? <laughs> I mean, his entire Man United career, Ed. And I like <laughs> Phil Jones. Um, is it me, says at Paul Chesterton, or do we make playing football look really hard? Yeah, a lot of the time. I mean, make watching football pretty hard a lot of the time. Um, you know, there, there are occasions when United were free-flowing uh, a bit more than is normal in the Watford game. You know, and it, but that's, even that highlights how we make football look at times. It's, it's just a change. It's just uh, how we are. The style is not going to be liquid, is it? You know, um, to plug another full-time Devils thing, um, Rene Moulinstein was on their their radio phone-in, and it's a brilliant. It's, it's on YouTube. It's forty-five minutes, and it is an absolutely brilliant watch, and really somewhat painful in a way because because you can look on back on the Fergie era with excessively rose-tinted spectacles. I mean, I say this all the time when we reference this, but. You know, there's seven years of us complaining about Alex Ferguson on this podcast recorded. But um, Millenstein was saying uh, that the whole coaching principle that came from Fergie about attack was pace, power, unpredictability, and changes in tempo in the attacking third. Like that was that was it. These were the these were the kind of doctrines of United's attack and. It's completely fair to say that for the vast majority of the time. That was on display, except when we were like in really bad patches of form. 
Um, but I don't know if I've missed that. Because I was thinking so many times when we counterattack, we somehow managed to make our attacking players look really isolated. There just isn't that liquid football, like you say. So Yeah, yeah. There, there really isn't. And I mean, I think even in some of uh, Mourinho's best ever teams... Uh, it was just the dominance on the ball and the amount of chances created rather than the style of play that uh, got people excited, right? Um, you know, and I, I'm not trying to um, revise history, I suppose, because he, he had some teams that really did score an awful lot of goals at the time. But, uh, they... but I'm, I'm not sure they'll ever be remembered for, you know, having a wonderful no. style and identity. But that's not this... That's that's something else, though. That's a, That's the other... You know, that's another question, isn't it? Because those teams did not make football, make playing football look really hard. You know, they made football look easy. And and I was thinking about this a, a bit more and thinking, yeah, like the number of silly misplaced passes and, and lackadaisical challenges and, and fouls in silly areas, there is there is just a kind of collective malfunction in our team waiting to happen. And I know mm-hmm. we're speaking on the back of a win, but it was very evident in that Watford game still. True. Uh, at Ashwin3 underscore says, do we feel Fellaini starting is almost a requirement now for us to play 4-3-3 oh, while man. giving Pogba room to go forward? If he plays no. like he's done in the last two games we could live with it not even okay yeah sorry i was trying to answer the question while you were halfway through there wasn't (laughs) i so um do we feel it's a requirement he's had two games in a row we have seen this before haven't we and then he'll have an absolute bog of a game after that so um would people forgive other players i'm some whataboutism here. Would people forgive other players for being crap seven times out of ten and then having a couple of good games? Uh, you know, I don't know. He, he's, uh, I think it's about the level of expectations with Fellaini. Um, so history tells us he's not going to suddenly become this dominant player every week. Um, we have other players in Fred, who's a you know, £50 million player on the bench, uh, who probably has a better all-ground certainly has a better all-round game and is certainly a better passer than Fellaini um, and has plenty of speed and energy. Doesn't offer the physique, obviously. And, and Herrera, who's, you know, obviously had a big career at United, but offers plenty of tenacity and energy and, uh, you know, uh, speed between the boxes. So, I don't know. We've got options. Fellaini's been good in the last two games. Uh, I would be really, really surprised uh, if he continues that for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, that's that's my answer also. Uh, I, I don't think we need to go on a lengthy answer to this question, but I think it's really interesting that we got it yet again, another version of this question from Jay Green at Jay Rutland. Where's the joy gone? Where's the simple pleasure gone? Where's the passion gone? I don't care if we win or lose. I just want our soul back, please. This isn't a team I recognise. This is my club. And we've talked about this at some length in recent weeks and and it just won't go away as a theme. And I I thought it was worth mentioning in among all the people kind of banging the drum for Mourinho loyalism, basically. Yeah. Um, And there's a lot of people banging the drum for Mourinho loyalism or flying aeroplanes to demonstrate their Mourinho loyalism. Plenty. You know, he he has inspired a certain level of cult-like devotion amongst the uh, fan base. I mean, uh, you know, I don't think he's ever really very good to um, to uh, navel-gaze into the Twitter sphere because it, I, I don't know, it, it's definitely not a reflection of the kind of um, 
match-going crowd who are obviously positive but not in the kind of cultish, in a kind of more realistic way, you know? Um, uh, but, yeah, in, in Twitter you delve into I hate Mourinho and I love him and he's that kind of man. He does uh, inspire that kind of... Um, that kind of passionate loyalty we saw it from Chelsea fans, even though many of them hated him after his second spell. Um, so at Pranav Meta says, can we give De Gea a blank cheque and a 20-year contract? And um, at Curd Rice Aurora says, uh, what percentage of MUFC stock should be the signing-on bonus for David De Gea? <laughs> yeah, the stock's done very well this year, of course. Um, like since the summer when United didn't break the bank uh, spending on players. Um, yeah, we'll see what the investors want. Um, should we give him a 20-year contract or whatever it takes, I guess? I mean, he's going to get a massive contract because he'd get a massive contract moving elsewhere and the the market is where it's, he is. And if you, you're going to pay um, Alexis Sanchez... Three hundred odd thousand pound a week plus a seventy-five thousand pound a week bonus for being crap. You're going to have to play, pay David de Gea uh, at least that much for being the best in his position. Um, at Ole Mide Loal says, "I miss Paul Ansorge tweets. Man actually left Twitter for good. I did. I actually left Twitter for good. And thank you." Um, well, not quite though, because you're a lurker and you are currently reading from Twitter. That's that isn't. That's not the same. You're a taker, not a giver, Paul. <laughs> Listen, I've given plenty to the people of Twitter in the, the region of an absolutely ridiculous number of tweets. Um, at Vikesh Patel 94 says, is Andreas in the same dungeon LVG kept Varela in? A friend of the show, Vikesh Patel. Um, yeah, uh, it's all very, it's all a bit, it was all a bit of a lovely dream that he might play Andreas Pereira as a holding midfielder, wasn't it? <laughs> Never seemed that likely. Well, no, McTominay's back in fashion now. He, nah, he wasn't in the squad listen, and he's back in fashion playing on the wing. Yeah, exactly. McTominay's not playing in... But he's, what, that's what he's done. That's what he's done. He played Andreas Pereira as a holding midfielder and Scott McTominay as a right winger. This is, this is what's happening to us now. Um, friend of the show, reluctant friend of the show, Chris says, I like the pink kits. What do you guys think? And I'm only mentioning uh, this because I really like them. We're mixed in the Rankast group on this one, aren't we? I mean, you know, I think uh, as a standalone, it's it's a, it's a fine kit, you know. It's pretty smart and, and sort of millennial pink, isn't it? And uh, very sort of in vogue at the moment. And I think it's a fine kit. The, my only challenge uh, is that it doesn't feel very united, really. It sort of looks like they took the red kit and left it out in the sun too long <laughs> um uh, you you say, i mean they claim that it's in, f- influenced by the football pink which is of course an institution in in english football every where... every kit they find some tenuous relationship to united's history to say oh this is why we've done it yeah but you know that's what they've claimed now your cynical claim is that there's a women's team now, so they've made a pink kit. That, that's the, the claim that you I made. mean, that was a tongue-in-cheek technical claim, but <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there's not some marketing dude in, you know, in a basement in Adidas somewhere who said, oh, you know, let, let, let's look at that. I mean, but, but where does this end? Where does this end? These funny coloured kits. We're going to have a sky blue kit and they're going to say it's inspired by the colour of the water in Salford Keys. That's not sky blue, though, is it? It's a kind of darker, a darker colour than that because it's not normally sunny enough for that to be sky blue. Um, the the women's team beat Aston Villa twelve nil, twelve 
nil. I nearly went but to that I, game I, as I, well. You know, I, I, I praise you can praise them. They're clearly going to be the best team. Well, no, not today, but uh, they probably going to be the best team in championship level women's football. Um, and 12 nil kind of shows that that may well be the case. And obviously, they've got some very good players, which they, uh, they got from uh, a number of other teams around the country. Controversy about that and the fact that United went direct into the championship um, after not having a team for so many years. But they were 12 nil up after 68 minutes. I, you know, just for, <laughs> I, you know, I demand more professionalism. I bet, I bet um, Jose's down the training ground saying, hmm. Do you, think, do you think there was a bit of Jose ball there? Do you think he's been on the blower when they got I went, 12 nil? I went up and I went full Jose ball. <laughs> you're making Cheating the fans there. You're making us look bad, Casey. Could you uh, could you stop scoring goals, please? <laughs> yeah. um, anyway, that's been really good. Uh, under 18s, under 23s uh, beat, was it Blackburn 4-3? And Mason Greenwood scored a hat-trick. Seven goals this season, Mason Greenwood, something like that. He was on fire last season as well. Um, a lot of people genuinely convinced that he's going to really, he is going to be one who makes it at the top level, but a long way to go, obviously. But, but he's certainly showing a tremendous, tremendous amount of uh, of potential. It's interesting, actually, because um, one of the questions that Moonenstein was asked on that phone-in was, uh, was about which young players had surprised him. And he said, you know... Um, when Will and Michael Keane were both at the club, if you'd said that Michael Keane would be the one with the Premier League career, that would have been a pretty big surprise to most people. And that's the thing about a player in Mason Greenwood's position, isn't it? It's just that there is there is such a long way to go, even when you feel like you're nearly there. Uh, yeah, right. I mean, it's uh, it's a pyramid and uh, very, very few get to the top as a percentage of those who get, try and get into the game. So, yep. for sure. Um, we've countless failures of really talented players um, who uh, make it into United's under-23s and under-18s teams. Although, you know, United do have a very good record by all the data of getting players a decent career. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's no... I mean, listen... I obviously have ridiculous red-tinted spectacles, but if I, if you were an elite 20-year-old footballer and you had to be at an English club and you didn't pick United... Now, you know, if you had to be at one of the top six English clubs and you didn't pick United, I'd ask some serious questions of what your ambitions were, you know? Um, right. Because, yeah. Anyway, uh, so um, talking of places where young English players might not be getting a chance for the time being... I don't mean that in a Brexit way, just to be clear. Um, or youngsters on the books, let's say. Uh, we're playing Wolves at Old Trafford uh, at the weekend after the Young Boys game. And Wolves are this weird new thing now. Um, they, they've, I think it's pretty clear they're going to stay in the Premier League, isn't it? Um, but is it pretty clear that they should be allowed to do what they're doing? I mean, they've been cleared of any, you know issues or whatever so there's no no legal leg to stand on but it is all a bit icky isn't it uh, a bit iffy that this uh, team in the championship that's uh, barely been in the premier league for the last 30 years or so uh, suddenly buys a whole bunch of really good players and starts winning a lot of games you mean 
Yeah, and just the so the the connection with Jorge Mendes is is that you know is to do with the relationship between the owners and Mendes. It's not any direct ownership stake from Mendes, and um, you know they got a superb result against Man City. And the reason that City don't have a perfect record is that they they drew there. They also drew with Everton on in their first uh-huh. game of the season, and actually it did not look great in that game. They had, they had patches where they looked really good, and they've scored. I'm going to say Neves, maybe it's Neves, but he is very Portuguese. Um, he scored that beautiful free kick in that game. But you Very know, Portuguese. Can you be like, yeah, just a little bit? <laughs> you know, he's Portuguese, isn't it? Um, and then they beat West Ham away, which, you know, last, listen. Everyone's doing that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, have West Ham played yet this weekend? I don't know. I don't know whether they have or not, and I can't be bothered to look it up. But anyway, um, Wolves, Wolves are doing, are making it, clear that they're kind of an, they're going to be uh, a relevant factor in the mid-table yeah. of the Premier League this season. Yeah, they are. West Ham play Everton on Sunday and Wolves play Burnley at home. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll get a chance. And we're obviously recording before that. Yes. Um, so we'll get a chance to have a look at them before uh, United take them on next weekend. Uh, I mean, how do you think the game will go? And um, I suppose it, in terms of selection, it's going to... A play, you know, the midweek game against uh, young boys is going to factor in that. Uh, we, we're into the Champions League Wednesday, Saturday, and all Sunday. Now, this is when the squad comes into play. Will we see some changes? I mean, I, you, you would imagine that we would see some changes because there's definitely. I mean, I wonder whether which one of the games we're going to see more changes for. So, which lineup against you know in these next two games, which one's going to be more similar to the? Burnley and Watford lineup, and I, I wonder whether that won't be the away trip to Young Boys, and that there'll be a bit more of a risk taken. Maybe we'll see Fred come back into the side for the game against Wolves, because um, it would seem to be the kind of game where he would likely be able to do something in that game. Um, I mean, the, the one of the very big threats at the moment for Wolves is Adama Traore, who, you know, uh-huh. I mean, we've seen him. He's played against United before and looked. Absolutely lightning quick, but very kind of run forest run, you know, just get his head down and run. But he's developing as a player and starting to look like a, a proper threat. And he's he's in I mean important he hasn't really started yet for Wolves. He's in fact he hasn't made a single start in the Premier League yet. Um but they've got Jao Martinho in midfield. Like how have Wolverhampton Wanderers got Jao Martinho in midfield? Perennial United link. Um, but yeah, never is, he, is he one of them theirs or is he a, a loan? I can't remember now. So, um, but, but yeah, they've got some good players who um, uh, who are getting them some decent results, and it looks like they're, they're going to be plenty good enough to stay up. Uh, I mean, this is obviously it's obviously going to be a big test for them because it's at Old Trafford. Um, and but they they were they at home to City? They were at home to City when they got the draw, yeah. weren't they? Um, so yeah, probably they're, they're big test. Season for Wolves yet? No, <laughs> no. I'm pretty sure City at home is a bigger test than us away at the moment. But you never know. It, it, a lot depends on. I mean, I, I guess stylistically they match up really well against City, don't they? It's you know. It, it... Yeah, yeah. And, and one of the things to say about Wolves is they create a lot of shots. You know, so um, uh, more than forty in their four games to date. Um, this is excluding the one on Sunday that uh, will uh, have been played by the time you hear this. Um, so they're, they're creating chances, having a lot of shots on goal. Um, that's normally the sign of a team that's going to score enough goals to 
to do well. Uh, I don't think they're going to be challenging the European places, but they don't need to do that, do they? You know, no. A solid season, um, uh, stay in the Premier League, and they can go and spend £100 million next summer. Yeah, or more. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's... I mean, I'm not taking this one lightly. The fact that it's at, at Old Trafford does make you think, OK... This is this should be this should be okay in confidence, but so much of of this game is going to depend on what happens against Young Boys. So I think if we beat Young Boys, um, uh, then I'd be very optimistic about our chances of beating Wolves. But if we slip up in the midweek, then you know, then it's then everything's going to start seeming terrifying again, isn't it? Yeah. Um, all right. So I, I suppose we should do some predictions because you know that's what we do. Yep. Uh, I'm predicting a 2-0 win against Young Boys because last week I could not pick a result and you said just say some numbers. Well, that might have been the week before. So that's what I'm doing. 2-0 against Young Boys and a 2-1 win against Wolves. Hmm. Yeah, I'm going to say some numbers too. Um, I'm going to say a 2-1 win at Young Boys and a one all draw against Wolves. Brilliant. Uh, and barring some sort of sleeping in based disaster, we'll be back to cover those games after the Wolves game. Uh, in the meantime, have a brilliant week and uh, up the Reds, eh? Up the Reds. Thank you for listening to another episode of the show. As always, because we don't want to take uh, gambling sponsorships or try and sell you razors or boxes with food in that come to your door or all the other things that podcasts sell um we uh just want to uh run the show using crowdfunding if you want to get involved head to patreon.com slash rankcast at a certain level of backing five dollars a month plus vat uh you'll get an extra bit at the end of each show and this week we talked about prominent manchester united departures absolutely central to the roy king departure story um, David Beckham when he came back with Milan I just wanted to mention that briefly because that's one of my favourite United memories that that game with the Glazer protests the 4-0 win Beckham coming back on picking up the green and gold scarf I mean it was just it was such an electric night at Old Trafford yeah. wasn't it um, but, but, no, no, re- re- remarkable um, piece of theatre when he picked up the green and gold scarf oh, goosebumps I get the goosebumps just thinking about it um, Roy Keane Roy Keane's departure. Funnily enough, I just read the chapter in Fergie's second book about that.